morning, everybody. This is the Bracker, and it's time for TC and Jake. A legend of four. Brack is always funny to me, man. I was just thinking that's an underused and under-referenced uh, set of characters. Oh, yeah. What else was there besides the TV show? Was it just... There was the Brack show. The, that was a specific... That was its own entity. Yeah, I had a couple seasons. I've been replaying... Uh, like, some of my fondest memories of Excel were not uh, watching TV shows because we weren't allowed to, but it was... Uh, there was one kid. His first name was Dave. I'm having trouble remembering his last name. And I'm friends with him on Facebook, but he doesn't use his real last name. <laughs> I love those people. Yeah, I know, right? It's not your fucking name, dude. But, uh... He would, um... He had, like, an encyclopedic knowledge. Like, he was really, really smart and, like, had a great, quick memory. Um, and uh, used it to describe in great detail, step-by-step, step, the plots of uh, Adult Swim shows to us. That's a valuable guy. Oh, yeah. Dude. I've probably told you this that before. That was the most fun we had. I had, uh, during my B-team days, when we would have to sit there and watch. See, there was an Very similar experience. A, oh, yeah. There's an interesting thing that happens in... Uh, like 7th and 8th grade football. If you're on the B team, at the start of the year, your games come first. But towards the end of the year, your games come second because they know they can cancel your game if it get, when it gets dark and it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so you curiously switch from playing it 4 to 6. Uh, and either way, I mean, I guess in the games that we played uh, later... That's weird. We, we had lights. We didn't. Like in 6th and 7th grade, we had lights. No lights till high school. Uh, but I would just, basically, there was one other kid, and we would do every skit from that week's Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Just the two of us. Like, like role play the whole thing out. Yeah. And it was, dude, we killed? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pan my performance. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, that was probably the height of my memory. But, uh, like, the one thing, and I had never actually seen the episode until, like, uh, two weeks ago, I finally, like, it popped in my head, and I got determined and tracked it down. But it's the uh, the Gumball Dad episode of the Brack Show. Let's put it in. I've, I've played it a couple times. We'll put it in as a fake break so okay. you can enjoy that Gumball Dad. <laughs> it might not make a lot of think sense, I, hey, but boy, it makes me laugh. That show doesn't make sense because it was it was this weird... I think it was the first of... C-Lab was like this, but I think it was the first of these shows to like reprise old characters for current... I mean, Coast to Coast was. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, because Space Ghost, I just remember the first time, you know, my parents saw it, they were so, they were just so confused as to why Space Ghost was interviewing celebrities <laughs> in a, like, it he, is, he, he was very a very dense interviewer. Like the I, interviewees were always spares. It was just weird. It was a weird show, but I loved and it. And I, I had definitely seen a lot of Space Ghost. Like, oh, yeah. The, the regular, actual show. Yeah. The one thing I remember about Space Ghost is it seemed that he was he always had the, like, Dave Letterman uh, index card in his hands, and he yeah. would like, tap him on the desk. Like, yeah. He just always looked so annoyed with the way the interview was going. That was one of the first shows me and my brother both really liked. I, that's just, what I remember about that, too. Just think of what 
dude out there would watch the Space Ghost cartoon and say, wouldn't it be hilarious if we had him doing like a late night talk show? It's genius, though. They probably just had like made jokes about it back and forth for years and then decided, hey, let's actually do it. It's the girl talk of I would watch TV a documentary of on, cartoon. Yeah. Repurposing of this old stuff that was had already so become great. lame. That is that is great. But all C-Lab, spared a fair. I never really watched C-Lab. You know, I often bring up your criticism of my uh, entertainment allocation with Beavis and Butthead as the case study of you being incensed that I didn't have enough time for Beavis and Butthead. And while I think you're wrong about that, I mean, obviously, I, I, do, I think I never, I'm wrong about that. I'm, I do I'm not wish that worried if I if I was going to work more, uh, you do far worse things than <laughs> not watch Beavis and Butthead. I'd like to hear that, but yeah, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong either. I just like your perspective, but. If I were going to modify to where I, I was consuming some programming that offered me no redeeming value other than some, you know, giggles, I would start with Adult Swim. Yeah. I feel bad that I don't. I wouldn't start with The League. I wouldn't start with, uh, you know, some of these other comedy bang bang or whatever. No, which man, Squid Billies is it's just. There you go. It's one of the best shows in the world ever. So just off the top of your head, you just. Your general assessments of my time waste? You should, uh, like, the fact that you don't watch Squidbillies is uh, 20 times oh, Okay, the I thought I was going to get some sort of larger indictment on my lifestyle. Like, you should... Uh, I don't know. I just like your yeah, shots. Nah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a vague thing. I'll have to think about it for a while. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure I've... Do so. <laughs> yeah, get back to you. I, I'm, I'm sure I could point out some, some real big flaws that might really change the way you think about... You yourself as a person, so next week we'll try and we'll try and get some of those. You'll reorganize my life. That's right. First, though, we got to <laughs> fix the Cowboys, Jake. Uh that's not how I want to approach this. Let oh. me just go ahead and. It was very odd yesterday. Uh, I was. It's it's interesting the games that get uh, handled with the isn't this entire thing flawed treatment. Yeah. And, this, like this seems like a gross overreaction on many levels, right? I think so. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where I wanted to start. Was and it it, it goes that was for absolutely my take. And you know what? I not to the degree that it has been, but I it was one of those games where I kind of walked away saying, "Man, some people are probably going to overreact to this." Yeah. Well, you know, if I try to detach myself from fandom first, and just as someone who is consuming that game. It was just such a. Uh, I was. That's the reason I was excited about it beforehand. Is because they the the matchups were kind of similar, not just in overall talent, but in, uh, you know, areas of deficiency, possible areas of strength, and it really did feel like. A, even though on the scoreboard it was, you know, I think what a three point game and a half. Seven yeah. Point, okay, it's three point game and a half. I mean, it felt very evenly matched. There was a nice flow to the game. Uh, it was just an enjoyable game where it seemed like both teams were very competitive in it. You know. That's yeah. That's exactly how I felt like it was going to be, and that's exactly like how I felt it was, with the one exception that one team returned two defensive scores, and at that point, and I'm not team, saying that's not a problem. Everything kind of seemed to get off track from there. Well, it's it's a huge problem, and you you know you don't want to be making mistakes like that, um, especially you know given the way that both. I mean, I don't know that either of the mistakes that led to defensive touchdowns were things that if you do that every time it's seven points for the other team, but they were they were clearly bad errors by 
players involved. No doubt. And look, I've been the biggest. But uh, I mean, how close was Tillman to dropping that ball? And yeah, just you know, Cowboys drive continues. But I mean, the guy's solid. You know, it's not like you're throwing. I mean, that's a strength of that he's. Yeah. At least played well this well, he's year. He's a strength. That. So, I mean, that if you're... Made a Pro Bowl last year. If you're throwing, you know, that read to that side of the field, that's definitely in play as a result. Yeah. And, look, I've been the biggest, uh, you know, Dez, I don't even want to say defender. I'm just hopeful for what the guy can eventually do. But the more you think about it and the more you see, you have to... I, I do think he will be a success. You know, just I think somebody said this on the station yesterday. He seems like the... Type of guy who in his second stop will be pretty productive. Maybe not as ever as productive as he could be, but I don't know. I mean, that's a pretty that was a, the, one of the most glaring wide receiver errors you're going to see. Yeah, I mean, that was I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of times that receiver and quarterback are not on the same page. Like that's not an entire and you know. But there's a difference I'm between not even being sure that it's him. Uh, the, Way more than normal guys. I don't know. I mean, I think that the reason you probably don't know that it's him more than normal guys is I think that a lot of times they don't even look to him in those sort of situations yeah. because they don't trust him. You know, the old cliche. But that that one was pretty basic. And although I did think it was funny that right when it happened, I don't really follow Twitter the whole game, but I, you know, I'll throw it on every every now and then. Mm-hmm. And it was funny just the second it happened, seeing esteemed NFL analyst Deion Sanders, one word, Romo. <laughs> like, and then they, like, he got one look at the replay. Like, what I would think That's is if weird. you're being paid half a million dollars to analyze NFL games, that you can see stuff that I don't need a replay or that I need a replay to see on your first glance. Yeah. That you're immediately going to see that that was a busted read. You know, there should have been some level of inside, trying to get inside position from Dez. And his, I don't know. Dion's a he's a hack. Whatever he's a yeah, funny hack, but he's a hack. I just I just think that uh, it's been infuriating to me to listen to Des coverage after this game because like like he got it right on at least eight plays. You yeah, know? But it's true. Like how how think, just first of all think about how many plays the wide receivers actually involved in. I mean, you want them to run block and big runs can be sprung by good run blocking, but as far as, you yeah, know. Yeah, but here's what you would have to know. You would have to know on how many of those plays where he did it right, did he have a mental check where it wasn't just, like he had to make a decision that was in sync with what the entire machine needed him to do at that time. And a lot of those plays, you're just running a route. I mean, there's two things that are going against him here. One of the only plays where we like know for sure that there was a decision to be made on his part and he made the wrong one was the basically what killed the game. The second thing is, I don't know if you watched the TV broadcast at all. The penalty he got, like when they're trying to run hurry up and get set, the camera they had, and it's telling that they have a camera that can show me what he did pre-snap with him and the DB is the only one in the picture. They're obviously looking for him to fuck up. Yeah. Dude, I mean, it was the most half-assed, like, he's not set, he's up, he's back, he's shuffling around, and even then when he did start his route, he's got about two false steps before he gets in route, then his route's at about half speed. I mean, the fact is, the guy, he does take plays off. And no, I, I haven't seen it's that. It's tough to defend him. The boy, I was just, I couldn't believe the touchdown that went through his hands when 
That was as wide open as I saw anyone yesterday. The touchdown that went through his hands, even though he's got two days he's ago. got plus hands, I would say. I mean, he's I think he's considered a hands guy. Yeah. But you know, I think that play the one of the early in the game where he wanted a flag on Tillman for just barely grazing his face mask like and he's the thing is is that it wasn't just that he dropped the ball. It's that afterward like he considers that to be something that he's bitching looking for a flag. Dude, that wasn't even close. If that was able to throw, if that's the reason you're blaming for you not hauling that in, I think that's telling too because all you got to do is get a little bit of a hand on the guy and he's he's mentally weak at this point in his career. I yeah. think that's that's I can say that conclusively. But so far the only things about like like if I just listened to the coverage of the game afterwards and did not watch the game, I would think that pretty much the only times where he was on the field were the interception, the drop touchdown, that play you were just talking about, and when he shuffled his feet at the line. And that's pretty much all he did yesterday. Yeah, but there's a reason when, for fact, that, though. in fact, he caught eight balls I don't for like 107 to, yards. Look, I'm not one who's trying. I'm uh, very aware of uh, being attached to the day-after narrative. I try to stay away from it as much as you do. But the reason for that is people are sick of saying that they – I mean, we all know he can make plays. Like, it's almost like a, that, it's a given that you're going to give us a few – I mean, it's expected for a guy who's – They've spent that kind of resources on to make, you know, to average five, six, seven catches a game. I mean, that's the expected part. But, but people not, like like people have been that's killing a, that, him because he doesn't have enough hundred yard game. Like that's been the one stupid thing that they've that been is focusing stupid. in on. Okay, that part's stupid, but it's but not. He did, but he did it. Okay, he did it. He got another one. But and I understand. Everyone's but, just been. Oh wow, well, that one's not good enough. I. Not only does he have to just turn out hundred yard games every week. He's got to do it the way that we want. But and he makes it too easy for the narrative to stick because it. I'm, I would rather him, you know, and I think most astute observers would rather him have five for 75 and no drop, not a drop touchdown and not an error that cost you, you know, basically a 14-point swing. I'd rather him have that than eight for 120 and two colossal errors. I mean, he's basically, even those good plays are making it as illogical as this may sound, it makes the narrative fit even better. That like, look, here's what he can do on certain plays. The point is, yeah, I, I don't care what like he makes it easy for people to say about him afterwards. I care about if those things that they are saying are correct and balanced, and I don't feel like they are. I feel like yeah, well, they can they're ba- they may not be balanced, but they are correct. No, they, he may not be giving enough. They may not be giving enough due to what he did positive. But the fact is, I mean, what people say about him that he checks out and that he's mentally not able to. You know, see the field and see understand the game plan this, the way that you would expect him to be able to, so they can use him. Those are true, and when he does stuff that proves that it's true, I mean, it's that's going to be what you hear about. And I don't even blame him. I don't even blame people anymore. I feel like there's been a lot of very successful receivers that I was never sure what sort of grasp. Like, I have no idea still if Randy Moss. No, really knows his checks or has has ever at any point. Well, first of all, Des is not Randy Moss. Besides, yeah, I know, but I, I, so you're right. There are exceptions to the rules, but I can I'm, guys that are. I feel like there's a lot of receivers that you're just not you're not sure if they know you know everything as well as the quarterback does. Yeah, I don't know about that. I think if you're talking about your top five to ten guys, I, I would say three quarters of those guys have a appreciably better understanding of the game than Dez does, and yeah. that's not that's enough to me to say 
you're somewhat of an outlier. You're a little bit behind where you should be. I guess well, like the point I'm trying to make is uh, that I, I, I would I would like to. I think that there's a way to uh, to do it where his deficiencies aren't exposed as often. Like, don't yeah. I mean, if you want to take that route, I mean that's. To say that Romo should just know, look, he's not an option on something where there's a like, risky read to be like made. There's, there's clearly a lot of things that he can do. Just do those. I don't know. Like, for example, like, on that, on that like, it, it's, it, it would have been just as easy for Romo to just flick that play over everyone's head and catch him in stride 20 yards downfield because he was past him. On the pick? Yeah. Yeah, but I think like he threw it before he knew. Yeah, no, he definitely did. But I mean, that's pretty. That's a pretty serious indictment to say, "Hey, my number one or number two receiver." I mean, you don't think people are going to figure that out? Like that, this guy's basically not an option. Whenever they we, if we blitz, we're taking out one of their three options immediately on like to read quickly. That he just can't be involved. I mean, that's pretty bad, dude. Like, that's a pretty. No, I'm just saying, like, in that particular situation, I'm not sure that they needed that check. Like, like he, if, if Romo had just left the play as it is and just thrown it that quickly for Dez out there, Dez would have caught that ball and been, I mean, well, maybe he would have dropped that one too, but you, you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I think the original play call was for him to break deep, and I think that he needed, like, that the immediate conversion when you see that level of pressure is that we're not throwing it deep and I'm going to have to get this ball out quickly. And if that's the, but yeah, he could have gotten it out. Like, like it wouldn't have taken him any longer to kind of like, you know, make his trajectory a little, just like a arc it a little more. Certainly. But I get don't... it and get it and get the ball deep. Like it wouldn't have, you know, it's like a, you know, two degrees of his arm angle or whatever. Well, you're right that there's that, but if that's not what they know that they're going into ahead of time, it doesn't really matter. I'm just saying, like, if that's not the call, that's change, not the call. Maybe change his routes a little less, and if if on that play you had not changed his route, it seems like it would have, you know, been a big play. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I it, just, I'm probably uh, going too far um, in in the other direction because I've been so frustrated by what I'm hearing. But there was eight plays out there where he was really good and. The fact More than that eight, that has I not mean, been mentioned he, he beat his is man, frustrating. He beat his man pretty se- severely uh, on that overthrow. Yeah. I mean, that was a little quick h- hitch and go. He's got four yards of separation. If that if he's hit anywhere close to in stride, that's a touchdown. Yeah. I'm not saying the guy has nothing. I'm saying he does make it easy. When the camera shows him pulling the, pulling the Randy Moss in a critical situation and like not even being set up, not even running his decoy routes, it's tough for me to... <laughs> I'm my uh I'm weary, Des. I don't know how much longer I can keep doing this. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's kind of how I feel. I guess in general. the fact <laughs> that, I was, that we're even talking about this shows that he's really frustrating to all of us. So yeah, I think uh, this has been uh it like I said at the start, the game kind of got the uh, big picture macro treatment from at least from bad radio yesterday. And while a lot of times I'm like, man, I'm so beaten to hear this. And uh, I don't think that that game is really indicative of, you know, those two teams as far as not just their talent, but how they'll end up. Yeah. I still kind of felt that, for whatever reason, it was fitting. 
because, and I don't know if it was the way the broadcast was presented to me, but I just really want to know, is there any way I can get out of fandom here? Is there any, (laughs) this is just so far away from what I really want to be supporting. That's not even, it hurts. It hurts to be like, man, I really, I'm not about this team. I'm really not about the way they're put together. This is not the way I like to see games played. I mean, they're so bad up front. And even they even got a decent game out of Livings and, you know, Smith didn't get just destroyed. I start to feel every game more and more like TZ should be the O-line coach so we could move Doug Free to guard. It's just, it's tough to watch. They They get no pressure on Cutler, no less. I don't. I don't know. How? Do, what's the rules here? Like it's just weird because my, the way my brain works jives so well with the way the Rangers and the Mavs are run. Yeah. And I look at some other teams and I'm like, man, it's not just that we're average. It's that we're average and that we act like we're not average. Yeah. No. I'm. I, just, I think there I is a lot it. of ways that this team uh, seems to go against your general. I hate philosophy. It. And it's still. I still enjoy watching the game, and then. I still feel a gut punch the second there's a pick, a pick six. I still do have an emotional reaction to it, but I don't want to anymore because I don't support the way that they've been put together. I don't support the way like that it comes across on TV. I don't support having a goddamn Toyota dealership on the third level. That that's incredible, right? I mean, I no, guess I've never noticed not... there being model car, model vehicles like a showroom floor. It's just I don't like. I guess we can. We'll. Talk about that, but I, I, I'm. This is what I'm saying. Beside myself in the way that, like, that's that just it doesn't matter that there's a Toyota dealership on the second floor. Like, it, it's, it does matter. No, it does matter. It it's all got matters. Nothing to do with it. The way that the players enter the game one by one through surrounded by fans with uh fucking poorly made thirteen dollar margaritas. Dude, it's, that's it's, awesome. That's no, it's awesome. Not awesome. They've tried to put the players closer to the people who enjoy watching the players. It's not awesome because the players are not there that's, to. Dude, he didn't drop that fans. ball because he was walking through the tunnel beforehand, and there was people in the tunnel. Like, that's, it all that's adds stupid. Up. Don't fall into that. It's it all stupid. Add, no, it's not stupid, and it's not a. It's not a, a single thing. It's an entire attitude that's created, and there's a reason. Why we have guys who come in who are in their third year and still don't know how to make because there's there's no it's the same same old story dude it's the same old account, accountability top down you know trope that's been beaten to death but dude I'm just telling you as a fan I feel ashamed at the way that our product is presented and and of the product because it's related it's related the entire there's no home field advantage there and you obviously. We're there. You can tell that that's a weak crowd, and that weak crowd is caused by a number of factors. One of them is the Bennigans on the bottom floor. Nah, dude. I, do you, you want to get it? Can we start? Yeah. Okay. I feel like the weak crowd is the weak crowd's fault. I feel like the, the biggest uh, the biggest thing they need, like what they were talking, what was being mentioned yesterday of lowering ticket prices, trying to get in people who, you know, like that as long as you and I don't know because I mean I was in the uh general cheap ticket prices area like uh we paid like a hundred dollars far as which was only like a ten dollar mock or markup so it wasn't bad I mean, you know and I was like the top level in the end zone um and 
Excuse me. For one, um, I don't know. This is <laughs> this is frighteningly similar to the Des Bryant thing, which is always just a frustrating um, experience. But I feel like. One, uh, like the thing, one of the things you should be most concerned about your stadium is, is it, is it good to watch a game there? Like just from a, can you see the field from all areas type thing? And it's great about that. Like that was, you know, the top level end zone is probably the worst seat in the house. And it was an awesome view. Like you could really see everything very clearly. Uh, it was way better than watching it on TV. Like it was so enjoyable as far as just a, being able to see the field type experience. Like, and I have, you're still close to the field despite being that high up. I have no problem with that statement. And I, I, I just feel this. like that's that's something that should never be forgotten when you're talking about is a stadium good or bad. Um, and given how, like, for one, we went to that TCU game and uh, against Oregon State a couple of years ago, and that was really loud. Would you? Yes. And so... That was with 50,000 people. There were 90,000 there on Monday night. So I thought going in that there was no way that it wasn't going to be at least as loud as a TCU game. And I am still baffled by the fact that it absolutely was not. Like, it was just as quiet as everyone said. Like, on a on a big third and long early in the game, it would get to, like, a pretty deafening level. But... It would. It definitely wouldn't do that while in the huddle. Like there is no thought among the crowd of trying to make it difficult okay, for so the players you, in the huddle. You brought up the money, which is thing. lazy. Are you saying that's not? I think they've priced out the sort of people that certainly care about yelling while the team is in the huddle, so that you can uh, disrupt the calls there. Okay, so if we agree with that, then as far as how the stadium impacts the fan that they are letting in. If the type of fan that they are letting in is not naturally inclined to uh, get, you know, stupidly fanatic at a football game, do you think that is that causes, you know, do you think they're making their fans more or less likely to get a little bit fired up with the entire the way the game is presented there and with the well, see, the, the construction the the. I walk the Toyota away, dealership. I walk away thinking that based on like the scoreboard animations and whatnot, that you can't really do any more to try and get them into the game. Like they're like it seems like every player on the roster has a video of them uh waving their hands up in the air saying, Get up, get up. There's like twenty different sort of get loud uh things on the score like the amount of the stadium trying to communicate to you that you are not doing enough was insane. Like it was almost too much. Like it was annoying. Okay, so let's let's answer this question then. I know that it, I'm not saying that Texas Stadium in the mid '90s, even when they were good, I'm not saying we were ever known as like Arrowhead, but it was not like. But this. I I I was there for. I went to a lot of games at Texas Stadium, going to college next to it. So I. It, it was, was not like this. It was definitely louder at Texas Stadium, dude. And so you, so if you're saying it's the fan, you're 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 saying that it's the fan. But I, and it I has, think has I think the basically fact that nothing to do with the stadium. So is it just a you're you're putting this all on just apathy? I think that if you know that your fans are becoming there was, apathetic, there was just a lot of things that the fans like how quickly they left in such numbers. How like just I don't know. Like when when we were standing in line, and those lines are totally ridiculous. Like the line to get into the game, yeah. where the, just waiting for the pat down. I don't. I can't think of anywhere I've been where it's like that. 
No, it's it was ridiculous the time we went to TCU, and it was a ridic- ridiculous the one Cowboy game I went to there. Yeah, um, but it just, wasn't like that at Tech Baylor though. Interesting. So for what it's worth, um, like uh, just standing in line, there was like uh, people started a large "Let's Go Bears" chant, and Cowboys fans didn't seem miffed in the slightest. And it's just a. Uh, I don't know. There, there was more than just the fact that it wasn't very loud to convince me that those are fans that are not dedicated to anything. Like they're just they're you know they're there to kind of uh, enjoy what's going on. And as far as creating home field advantage, it's not something they're even aware of. You know, that there being a burden on them to do that. I think probably the best way to explain the way I think about this is that it's not that it is the the. What the architecture of the stadium, the, excuse me, the art galleries, the all the things that we've heard about, the general glossy feel you have when you're there, like you feel like you're at a mall, I think. I mean, I really do. The way that everything just looks incredibly sanitized, and I think that that is probably not causing the product on the field to uh, the results to go the way they are, and I don't think it's causing the fans to act the way that, the way they are. I think it is a symptom. It's a. Uh, it's almost like a reminder, a microcosm of the general organizational approach to flash over substance to uh, really a less than uh, you know full commitment to the actual on-field product. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not saying that that stuff necessarily causes these things, but it's related, and it's frustrating to watch when you know that like. Yes, having a Victoria's Secret store or whatever type of store it is in our stadium, that is almost like a microcosm of trading two first-round picks for a cornerback or trading your first-round pick and trading up or you know, flipping picks for Joey Galloway because he's you fast. Know, you know it, what Does that make sense? It really goes back to the that there really is a big problem that the owner and the GM are the same person because if, if he was just the owner, like this at all... Like, like that's his job. Like, his job is for the stadium to look cool, and it does. It's a great stadium, and I know that you don't totally agree on that, but... No, I totally disagree. I, uh, I mean, it's just a, from the basic, from the start of the exterior, I, I, and this is how you know I'm not, like, BSing you based on... No, I know I'm, you feel just, this way. Just the basic, ex, the way it looks on the outside, I don't like. If that's the only thing we were judging it off of, so... But, to your point. But, I, I think that most people would... If if the only thing was, if his only job was like a create a cool fan experience, like the fact that he was making it so that the fans could get near the players when they were going through the tunnel, and everything else, and just you know those uh those boxes along the sidelines, that that has to be one of the coolest ideas ever, right? Like that would be awesome to be able to sit in those seats, and like that he would give. I mean, I realize he's only giving people that chance because he thinks he can charge a million dollars for each of them, and I think he probably can and does. But still, that's that's great that those seats exist. Um, and if and if you couldn't then say that there was an analogy to, you know, trading up for uh, to to select a corner, that would like like if he could ever put himself in a situation where he was only judged on you know like uh, the the. Enjoy your level of enjoyment of consuming his game at that stadium. If that's yeah. the only thing. Then yeah, but that's the thing, and that's and that's why everyone everyone is right. It is stupid that he's the general manager and that 
you kind of think that the same things that make him good at being an owner make him terrible at being a GM, and, and, and you're totally right. But, you know, I I still go and feel like, you know, it, it still occurs to me that he's really good at being an owner. And and that's, and I, I, I don't know, he's not really a guy I want to defend that, like, he gets me real excited the way that Des Bryant does. So, you know. People could say whatever shitty things about them that, he, that they want to, and it's not going to really bother me. So, But as far as the way, the mindset that you have when you build a new stadium, that stadium was built whenever they were, I mean, obviously they had started getting a little bit better. You know, you, I, what did the stadium open in, 09? Uh, yeah. So, you, you know, they had decent seasons in 07, 08, but they were still, basically had been a mediocre franchise for a decade. And so if you're him and you see the way your fan base is going, you see the way that you're, you're – I mean, it just doesn't really compute to me that we move from Texas Stadium to the new stadium and that all of a sudden our crowd is not loud. I mean, there has to be some sort of you – know, there's a larger explanation there if, if you don't – I mean, cause we've all heard the stadium get loud at other games. And if it's just the pricing out thing, then to me that's like – how do you not think of that? To me, he just doesn't see. He's like he's what? such an ideologue I, I that he can't. I just think he doesn't like. Like, if you were him, would you, would it really bother you? Yeah, it would bother that you're you have no home field advantage. That you're like fourteen and twelve at home. Well, I mean, the, in the new stadium. Yeah, I mean, if it's either that or uh, you know, make less money off of game day, then you know, whatever. Fuck home field advantage. We're making enough money. Yeah, but I don't even think he thinks that way. I just think that he he's too much of an ideologue to. To actually think maybe this, the prices of these are part of the problem. Like I feel like he's excluded that solution from his brain, and like I do think he cares about well, winning. I mean, he's an insanely rich person who's very passionate about it, so he probably doesn't make a connection. Like, like it's very easy for me to assume uh, rich equals doesn't really care about it. Um, no, I think he probably doesn't have that natural no, assumption. I think he thinks that the fan does affect the game, but that in his mind. The richer the fan, the better the impact on their game will be. And some perverted, like, you know, I don't know. I I think fan that... meritocracy, you know, just just based on how much you pay. I mean, he has to be able to look at the numbers and say your your home field advantage is negligible. Why? It wasn't before. Why is it now? I mean, how is somebody who's running a business and he's got his hands on every every lever? How has he not thought about this? How has there I, I not think, been a rollback of prices or whatever? I mean, I think that the uh, the players, the video of of players, you know, telling you to get up and get into this. Uh, I think that's a relatively new thing. I think that they are trying to respond, like that they do think it's a problem. And they've been trying to do things about it, and the fact that they are trying to do things and it's having no effect, I can see, is what makes me think that you know, it's it's the people in the stands that are the the issue. I agree that it's the people in the stands. I just think if you're if if you're and like, in his position, the fans like the are, idea that the the it's just the TV that they're just so. Uh, no, I haven't said that because I don't. Think I know, that. I know, okay. but that but that is a common argument thrown out there, and it doesn't explain why that TV was on during the TCU game. It was really loud. Yeah, I think it's got uh, it's it's got nothing to do with the stadium intrinsically because if that were the case, it would never be loud at any game, and we've been in there when it's really loud. I just think if you're I'm. The, Think of the way the Mavericks do it. The Mavericks are constantly evaluating the way that they can present their product 
you know, to get their fans into it. Or, you know, I don't know. I feel like the Mavericks are just miles ahead. And I feel like with yeah. the Cowboys, it's that. They're very similar to a lot of their, they, you know, they use a lot of the same gimmicks that you experience at a Mavericks game. Well, in the Cowboys case, I would just think you would, if, if you're in his position, you would stop and think, well, this obviously isn't working. You know, what can I do? And if the first thing you think of is if it's perhaps the ticket price thing, like there's something you have to be thinking about doing. They've done nothing. They do nothing but bring in I don't know they've... DJs that are more strip clubby every year. I I just I th- I think that based on what I saw that they are trying to do stuff like you know they brought in Jeff K. He's not that strip. Is he? Is that what you're? I like Jeff K. I guess I, I forgot clubby. about that, but I haven't been out there this year either. Yeah, no, he's he's new this year. <laughs> Look, man, we're in a bad way. We're and it's not and it's not because of just that game. I just think in general, oh hey, not to go jump back to on field stuff, but it makes it even harder to watch your line not be able to protect when uh, the area. Although Claiborne did have a pretty solid game, and I guess it would be, I should more focus on uh, not going after like Knicks or something like that. Uh, just watching the guy that so we we decided to fortify the secondary and then you know because when we play teams that have a top flight wide receiver we're not going to be able to get a lot of pressure but we're going to cover well enough to uh, to give time for our replacement level rushers well, that's probably a little bit harsh I think they have a, they have an above average line but just watching Brandon Marshall and the fact Spencer and Ratliff weren't on the field that's true that's tough and. Brandon Marshall, I'm not especially the uh, third down when Brandon Marshall lined up in the slot and across from him, Victor Butler. Yeah, that's that's not that's not a good sign. I was already celebrating the first down at that point, and it happened. It was just tough to watch. But, but also- no, uh, the other the other thing about the stadium that really stood out to me was that there is no uh, somber setting. Like, there's no they they did not include a set of animations for when you're down thirty four ten, and it felt really weird. And they don't dial back the uh, like. Come on! Come no, on. dude. They had like they had like a video of Michael Irvin that it was the best video in the entire world. But they played it when they were down thirty four ten, and it's like, yeah, they're not gonna get up. They're not gonna be dedicated, Mike. They're down thirty four ten. They already left, dude. You're talking to people that are in their cars right now. It's just and it's frustrating. That's that's when that was the point where it was really like, man, they are as tone deaf as everyone says they are. Like. You know when they're showing you videos of the of the dancers on the elevated areas Ugh. when when they're down thirty four ten that seemed or, like when they Orton's really decided the to ratchet it up ratchet up the dancer shots um and they're like still see it it ruined like like up until now, I assumed they were dancing because they were really excited about this cowboys team and now there's really there's nothing to be excited about today guys i like if they had gone to the dancers and they were all just kind of like sitting on the platforms, their heads down, kind of looking real dejected. That would have been fine. Yeah. But uh, to see them still dancing and looking excited, it made me realize they don't actually care about the Cowboys, and that was upsetting. But something you should have already known. Right? Maybe uh, you should you should try out to be one of the drumline guys, and anytime they go down by two touchdowns, just kind of plop down and... Set myself on fire. <laughs> yeah. Self, what is it? Emulation. 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 Yeah. Uh, this is, we've beat this to death, uh, you know, and it, I'm sure we'll do it again. We will go total um, necrophilia on this body, I'm sure, over the years. 
because as long as we plan on doing this, I don't think this is going to be something that changes too much. So let's talk about something we can both agree on real quick before we go, which is that no matter no matter what he does, uh, let's not try to agree on his level of productivity. Let's just sum it over your quarterback being just an absolute shithead. He said he, he wasn't ready to talk to Mike. He's a shithead. I've never seen a quarterback more moody on the field, and, I, and I'm not kidding you. I'm not telling you this because it's the Bears because it's your quarterback. But there, there's a part in the broadcast where, and this is what led to the Mike Tice thing, Gruden's in the middle of, you know, of some you know, trail of drivel that he's lost himself into the woods on, and he stops because they have a tight shot on Cutler, and he yells, what's the play? Give me the fucking play! And it's not dumped. And it's drawn attention to because Gruden only perks up when he hears the F word. So he stops talking <laughs> mid-sentence. And then he like, Cutler goes back to the huddle like, dude, that is he, like, you want to talk about the least steady hand on this? Like he's just, then the second, then it looked like something from a, like a, you would do in high school. Like when a girl would come sit by you that you were dodging. And then the second she sits down, it's like a lever that pops you up off the bench and you keep walking. He talked about it. He wasn't ready to talk to Mike. It's just unbelievable. There's a time that he wanted to talk to Mike, and that just he wanted to calm down. He he didn't want to say. We all we're just all. It's Jay Cutler's world, and we're just all. Dude, obviously, like you know by now, I just don't care about that stuff. I just like. But the thing is, though, is that there's in in my opinion, I can't make you feel there's a direct about it, but you also can't convince me to care about it. There's a direct relationship between when he. The thing is, is he's not just some sort of like stone-cold killer like nobody ever said anything about Peyton Manning's body language because it didn't change with his he just always seemed kind of ho-hum with Cutler his body language you can tell is directly tied to like his performance it's so it's fascinating to watch when he's just out he looks so different and then whenever things like hey you're my defense has handed me a lead now I look a little different now I look like I'm into this no it's because he cares loves the game doesn't want to lose if you care you care the whole time no, nah, he hates losing that much that even even not even like the after but the, the problem game is loss, when like, he starts when he starts looking like that is he you can tell he starts either giving one read or like he's less patient he's not stepping into throws his he's it's fascinating to watch how his his outward disposition affects the way even his mechanics. I don't know, and that's a sign of a. I think you're overstating. <laughs> that's a it. sign of a shithead. No. A shithead who's three and one, so whatever, right? But he is what he is. I think he's just a misunderstood guy. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. Do you want to um Hey, it's better you know, he just he, he thought he might say some things to Mike that he couldn't take back, and he's too nice a guy to do that. So, so he so he took himself out of the situation. Going forward I applaud him. Yeah, I'm sure you do. And I'm look, no one's surprised. Uh, going forward, I think uh, after the bye, we've got Baltimore on the road, so that should be fun. It's an easy win, right? Oh, I of mean, course. I've already got it. I've already got it. Uh, I mean, that's a classic. Although I feel like they don't do it much more than once a season, and the Giants one was already their one, so they probably will just get pasted here. But then we've got Carolina, which uh, did you watch that game this weekend? I did. See much of that? Great game. It was a great game. Although I will say, uh, and if you're not reading the, I know you've you've already poo-pooed it, but to the rest of you out there, the slate deadspin um, 
NFL letters each week are really good. And this week they've so far it's just been Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders and the guy from uh, Advanced NFL Stats Brian Burke about the uh, the Panthers' decision to punt on fourth and one in Atlanta territory on the forty-five with a one-point lead. As I am like about to strangle myself watching that. I mean, dude, Newton, that shot he took on that touchdown was so big boy. I was flexing in my living room. That was, I mean, you say the guy's had his struggles this year, but that was awesome. And you don't think that guy can pick up a fourth and one? You've got Jonathan Stewart and freaking Williams, and you can't. He already picked up a first down. On the drive. Dropped it. No, I'm I'm saying like oh yeah yeah the yeah when the the third down play he went he he was it was him running the ball and he went past the first down marker fumbled it was yeah. covered behind the first down marker yeah no I I thought that was uh too conservative although and I guess it really proves the point because that was as good a punt as it could possibly be yeah they were set up on like the half yard line. And even though, you know, for the sake of the argument, you're making that decision not knowing that, you know, you can't... Yeah. But I'm, but I'm just saying, like, if Rivera could have chosen, like, what, what kind of punt they right. were going to get, that's the one he would have chosen, and it right. still didn't help. And it was funny, too, because it was, the you know, with Mike Smith, you know, with what happened yeah. to him last year. Yeah. <laughs> and, dude, if you want to talk about... And I, I don't know if you saw the NFL Network on Thursday night, did the Irvin halftime show with... Uh, with Julio Jones, and he asked him about Julio Jones or AJ Green, and AJ Green or Des Bryant, Miles Austin, and he like had a uh, who's, who's what's the word I'm looking for? He had like a uh, remember the Danny Woodcock? He had a Theisman like laughing attack. Remember whenever he said Woodcock instead of Woodhead or whatever, and laughed like off of his chair for five minutes, yeah. like it, it was a way over laugh. That's where Julio Jones was. He was so disgusted by the thought of... I mean, Roddy White and Julio Jones, not Adrian. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. My bad. That makes uh, sense now. It was just embarrassing. And then just to see Roddy White just beast that... I'm, I'm, I'm with Julio. <laughs> dude. And so am I, but it's just... It's I try. It's tough. It's not, with it's my not been an encouraging three weeks Cowboy for star the pair. Or four weeks for the pair. Uh, so the other thing that I wanted to briefly get into, because we talked about it a couple weeks ago, was, was uh, RG3's MVP campaign. Mm-hmm. I'm loving it, man. I don't want to. I don't want to play this dude twice a year. Yeah, well, combined with what you were saying earlier, maybe, uh, maybe just go get a Redskins jersey. What if I did? What if I just started rocking? Be a terrible human <laughs> being. No, nah, I would never do that. You know that. I know. I but I, I won't even probably stop supporting the Cowboys. You know, like with my heart, anyways. And I don't know. Most most people go zero for three on uh, the teams they love behaving in a respectable manner not most people but there's a lot of people out there jake that have to go for three the fact that you get two for three as far as solid organizations just count your lucky stars yeah but don't you think that the one like but do things in a way that agrees with you personally don't, don't you think that being a fan of the cowboys like is worse than being a fan of an average average team because they're embarrassing and all yeah the, yeah we oh yeah about earlier it almost no, outweighs definitely. the rest of it but uh do, like like i the you know the Chicago teams have had a a good deal of success in a way that makes you know I you know these past couple of years of Chicago sports have been 
really good years that I would never underappreciate. But as far as an organization that like does things in a real smart every time and respectable way, like the Mavs or the Rangers, they don't have one of those. Just because you know Reinsdorf is the head of two of them, and he's he's smart and he's good at being an owner, but. It's not like he's assembled a genius front office. Well, he doesn't have to because, I mean, you'll just eat up whatever he – you'll just change your beliefs to whatever you have to. You'll support Ozzy Guillen and his many uh, batshit decisions. Yeah, no, I, I am. That is how I do it. <laughs> you defend like, Jay Cutler and uh, in the face of a mound of evidence that he's a terrible person. Yeah. So maybe I just need to get on board. And, like, There's no, I mean, Maybe I need to buy – I need gonna, to get breast if, implants and a pink Romo jersey – and then I need to get. Uh, I I always have the cowboy drum with me, and I, all I eat start... is Papa John's. I listen to the Jerry Papa John's clean and then screwed and chopped. <laughs> I'm just totally on board. They're not going to trade Cutler if I start deciding that he's not that he's not a likable guy. Like I'm going to be stuck with him whether I like him or not. And so the really the only part of this equation I have control over is whether or not I like him. So yeah, I'm going to like him. Like, that, that is well, how I do it every time. Like, I was convinced that Charlie Weiss was a good coach, and I didn't even realize I had, like, made any attempt to convince myself of this. It's only now that it occurs to me, like, that I'd never thought, like, that I never really thought that, but I was just, but I, I, I kind of did. I don't know. It's interesting weird. little confirmation bias. I don't know, uh, but quickly on RG3, though. Twice a year for however long this is, I'm not looking forward to this at all because the dude is so easy to root for. Just a just a ballsy player. I mean, he's taking shit. We talked about eh, what's it going to be. He could take a couple less commercials. Yeah, I guess so. But what? He's only got a couple. What? Eh. Gatorade and Subway? And uh, the Adidas Light one. I feel like that's the one they play most often. Which I guess, is a great commercial, but... I guess you never see Andrew Luck in commercials. It's a great commercial to see two or three times. RG3 doesn't annoy me like a Cam Newton does. Cam Newton's not in half as many commercials as RG3 is. I don't know about that. Oh, I, I'm sure. I don't know about that guy. Or I, of ones that I've seen. I feel like Cam Newton's pretty pretty out there, pretty out in the front. He considers himself a brand, remember? But we talked about what is uh, going to happen to RG3 once you know he has to start. He's, dude, he's been keeping the ball a lot more, and he's been taking some big hits. I don't know if that's sustainable, but I like it. I like the fact that they're continuing to basically run a college offense, and he's only thrown one interception through four games. We talked about, you know, hey, what happens if there's a guy who's got this ability and he can make the right reads that are made available to him by his ability? And so far, it's been fun to watch. Hey, do you, uh, I heard you mention yesterday, and, you know, plenty of people mention this, uh, the uh, abundance of spread offensive linemen yeah. that then struggle in uh, the NFL. Why don't they just do what those linemen are accustomed to? Uh, I think part of it would be that, and this is an interesting, I kind of want to do a full on segment on this at some point. Like if, if the feeder system is only giving you players that certain, a fit a certain kind of offense, aren't you kind of dumb for just not using that offense? I think it's, I think a couple things. I think that defense, you know, it's the typical fallback uh, response to like why the option doesn't work. <coughs> Excuse me. But I think if your offensive, uh, your defensive lineman, are that much more athletic and that much bigger, you're not going to be able to just... First of all, what you're talking about is part of it is just a numbers game. You don't run the ball near as much. So basically, you would have to just stop 
you would have to start throwing the ball about 20% more, which I feel like is probably the difference between your average college team and average pro team. Yeah, but there's a lot of, I, I don't know, I guess then you get back into the option thing. But, there, you know, there's plenty of spread teams that run a ton. But they all run the option. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's tough to transition from running a, you know, a one-foot split spread to now, then on the next play, I'm going to ask you to go a, you know, a uh, three-inch split, and I'm going to ask you to zone block this, or not even zone block, more just a straightforward block. That's pretty serious. I mean, that's a pretty serious discrepancy in what you're asking guys to do. I mean, usually those dudes who run the, like the Texas Tech splits, that's the only split they're getting all game, except for maybe, you know, in a your rare jumbo type blocking scheme. Yeah, but. no, I'm I'm just saying in general, like people seem to be really perturbed that they're only getting spread quarterbacks, spread receivers and spread linemen. And I just don't know why they just I don't know why you don't see the spread more. Like I feel like the Patriots did that for 07 and you know, they the kind Packers of a couple years ago. Yeah. And like like they've been really good with it. And you know, I, I feel like the whenever uh, Rex Ryan came to the Jets, that he did some measure of solving it and, you know, kind of exploiting it in the way that you would think that someone in the NFL eventually would, and then the Patriots have responded by going to, you know, the big the tight end and everything. I think that if you're running a spread offense, and I don't, I don't even know that, I, that that's even a, the right term, but... I think it's tougher once somebody figures that out, once that gets slowed down. I think it's tougher to transition from that back into, you know, midstream, back into trying to mix in actual power runs. I think if you're, does that make sense? Like if you've trained your linemen to block with these in in one way. Yeah, but I'm just saying saying that's, that's already a problem you have. Like you already have the problem of they're too used to the spread. And now we're trying to get them to do, you know, I formation stuff and they're not that great at it. Yeah, I think the hope is just that a few years in they'll be better. And that you'd rather do that than I don't just... know. So far it's not working out. There's a lot of bad lines right now. No, it's a there's a the overwhelming majority I would say are bad. But I don't think the answer is to just because again, what are you gonna do whenever you have to run the ball? I mean your quarterback's not a running threat, so if you're gonna just hand it off every time with out of the gun or out of five, four wide receivers. I mean, that's the reason you don't run the ball out of that primarily is because it doesn't work. It only works as a changeup, you know. So what? If- well, but I mean, you know, once you get the numbers, it it works. Like once once they go out to cover those four receivers and you've got next to no one in the box, then it works. But I think that's also somewhat based on your quarterback being able to run the ball. For- no, I mean, there's there's spread teams in college that don't have a running quarterback that still run effectively enough. They run effectively enough, but I think that they do it at a percent that is too low to get by in the NFL. No, I, th- I think there's teams. That, I mean, Notre Dame last year, Tommy Reese was not, you know, he never did any moment. They set, that was the best running team Notre Dame has had since since they ran the option. Like, they piled up, you know, I think they were over 200 yards a game on the ground with, you know, running from the spread without a running, without a, Running threat at quarterback, it happens. It's it not happen. common. I it's just, not. It's not your average spread offense. You're I, right. I still think that with the level of the level of athletes and the level of complications you're going to see from defenses at the NFL level, the spread is just too limited. 
I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's too limited to teach your linemen that that's how they're going to block and get used to blocking like that. Because once that doesn't work anymore, it's going to be tough to go back into. You know, you're more you're you're more versatile. But I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that's not working out, anyways. Yeah, I understand. I guess I I all I can say is that you're hoping it it gets better. You're hoping that you recondition people into being able to. Yeah, we'll see. And I and I don't know that I totally buy it's any one thing or any you know as far as why the linemen aren't as far as why there's bad lines right now. Oh, well, I think that is the one thing. I mean, I think that. I mean, I think you you the other thing you would look at is the size and strength of defensive linemen. But yeah, and I think that you know isn't that what everyone says about the SEC that they're so great because they have the discipline to put their best players on defense. And that that's a new thing that most people generally haven't done that. And that, you know, maybe if some of these guys had been trained as offensive linemen from the start, this would be a different balance. But it is interesting because when you you talk about the last, you know, five, six, seven, probably even almost ten years, uh, it's been a trend towards, you know, if they spread, if the offense spreads the field more, uh, this is where the chess ga- the chess match is at right now. That the offense, by figuring out that they can put better athletes in space or athletes in space against, you know, guys that are more athletic than, then you could chew up yards. And you would think the counter to that would be your Tyron Matthew type guys and your your hybrid defender. But really, the so far the counter has been beating them up front instead. You know what I mean? The counter has not been in the secondary. Yeah. The counter has been by being, you know. You're, you see a lot fewer seven, – the seven-step drop is basically dead. I mean, you yeah. rarely see somebody get that, that kind of time anymore. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying, but you know the NFL, man. It's uh, you got to do it our way. It's just like the punting yeah, thing. No, we're, uh, not, we're not changing to what might make the most sense. We're, but I, uh, I just, we're con- I'm just expressing it. That frustrates me. That, and, and, you know, just – Throwing it out there. It's the culture. It's the culture, TC. Well, uh, so do you have anything else NFL related? I don't think so. Okay, let's take a quick break. Let's listen to some Brack, and then let's talk about last night's 30 for 30 documentary on ESPN, Broke. Huh, isn't that interesting? What's that? The mothership is making its thousand-year visit to our planet to select... The lucky one. The lucky one? What are they going to do with the lucky one, Dad? Well, I assume they're going to take him away, make him their king or emperor or something. Why else would they go to all the trouble? Wow! Who do you think they're going to pick? Right here, buddy. Put your eyes on the prize. Oh, really? And why do you think they're going to pick you? Oh, because I'm super special, Mother. I'm sure the aliens have equipment to detect super speciality. I mean, they can fly their fancy spaceships through space, right? Well, how do you know they won't select Brack? Or me? You? <laughs> Sorry, you're a woman. Everyone knows that women are not equipped for golf or space travel. Space is a vacuum, Buttercup, not a place that needs to be vacuumed. You know what? I hope they do pick you. But, Dad, I don't want you to go. What am I going to do for a dad if you leave? Oh, I'm sure the mother shippers will leave you with a suitable substitute. Suitable substitute? Suitable substitute? Can I borrow the car, Gumball, Dad? I don't think you should let Brack take the car, Gumball, dear. He doesn't know how to drive. But he knows how to eat gumballs. That's good enough for me. Gee, thanks, Gumball, Dad. Hey, I was thinking about staying out all night with the wild crowd. That all right? Mmm, that sounds dangerous. And what goes better with danger than 
gumballs! Oh, 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 oh. oh, the colors of the rainbow! Whee! Oh, I love you, Gumball Dad. Excited to learn that I'm almost done with this. This is just part of the marriage, you know. This is a great one, though, right? I'm sure that's something they bring up in counseling. Like, look, yes, there's going to be some really annoying shit this this other person you're stuck with here does, but pick the most annoying things and make those the problems. Don't, and also, it doesn't help to complain about it every time. They probably tell you that too. They just say, look, that's not going to change. So just, you know, focus on his drinking. And for me, your drinking is your cutler of Jake, your support of Jake Cutler, not your light acoustic Tom DeLong returns. So, <laughs> yes, do you a uh, hole? Do you disagree? Like, I don't know. I just, I'm interested in your reaction. Leaving out. Um, who specifically we're talking about to the idea that you know that that the only the only you know the thing is the only thing I have control over is how much I like or dislike this person not whether or not they're going to play a, a large part in how happy I am like by the way I'm tapping my brakes right now as I drive it up to this road sign I see the TC what? what do you think about this situation road sign and I've stopped and I'm I'm looking at it going I don't even know if I want to. <laughs> no, I'm. Go I'm, ahead. I'm no. I. I want to know. I want to know your thoughts on it. Like, what would you do, do you, if 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 Romo were acted exactly like that? And uh, every time you watch the Cowboys game, you're just like, man, that fuckwad. I hate him. I He's think I would asshole. at least acknowledge that his, much like I do with Dez, his. Uh, there is a mental side to the game and he is not particularly strong strong with it and that for his position that's extra important i don't need the guy who we pay the most money yelling what's the play what's the fucking play like he's like a crack addict in the huddle like i need him to be you know and you're right the guy still has he you know he's got some numbers so he just beat my team senseless and exploited the areas that we said that we had gotten better in so i guess i can't say too much but i feel like the archetype that I believe in for that position, he's about the furthest thing from it. So I think you could just say, look, I'm stuck with this guy, but I acknowledge a real shithead. Real shithead. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just But what would that like, help? Like if you, yeah, and if you It did, doesn't help. If Basically, you, there's only one out, there's one input, one out, outcome, uh, output. You deny it. It frustrates me. That's it. That's the only result of you not, of you acknowledging it or not acknowledging it. Is that it frustrates me that you don't, and if you did, I'd say, well, I'm glad to hear you say that, and we move on. No one else cares. Like, uh, but if if you did, if you did, like, think that way, then every time you watch him, it'd be more frustrating. Well, I salute your ability to, uh, you know, 
I guess, lie to yourself for the sake. This is also something they probably teach in relationship counseling. Just, just deal I with wonder, it. I wonder, like, like you know, based on help? past experiences, I realize that I cannot judge in the moment how I'm going to feel about it once that person is uh, gone from Chicago sports. But uh, I really feel like I'm always going to feel this way about Jay Cut. Like, like I kind of felt this way when he was in Denver. Yeah. Not. I mean, I didn't think about him that much. No, it's in, it's funny that it look. If you think the the symmetry is not lost on me that your team's quarterback is a guy who doesn't seem to get what everybody wants him to like he doesn't want to play all by right. he doesn't want to quite play by all you the other rules put be, it that way. because he's good enough to not and at the end of the day it's like well he is kind of doing pretty well so what do we, we can't really the counselor look. thinks that's sort of cheap shot that's not going to further this uh dialogue well, I mean, it's true. The guy has he lives he does it by his own rules, and he you know when people are like getting on to him for the way he she's, presents. Uh, she's shaking your head, at, her head at you. Look, let's just say it this way then: he's the guy who doesn't think all the things that everyone thinks about him <laughs> matter, and he's the quarterback for your favorite team. That's pretty nice. I Outdated like dated perceptions <laughs> of Cutler. Uh, hey, real quick, before we get into uh, let's this is our version of TiVo, I think. Uh, before we get into the thirty, the new thirty for thirty last night. Uh, where where do you where do you sit on the two heads one body TV show? Can we? I've, I've never watched it. it seems great. <laughs> it, it would. You, I mean, would you watch it? Like, have you even seen a visual? Yeah, yeah, I've seen commercials for it. Um, I don't know if I'd watch it. Like, just because. Shows like that, uh, it's got nothing to do with, like, uh, like if I, th- if I thought it was, like, a well-done show about people with two heads, then yeah, I'd watch it. And you th- and you were just saying you think because it's, a why do you think the, it's not? It's, it's, a lot it of those shows have, like, a really interesting, like, pitch, like, girl with two heads. Turtle boy? Uh, yeah, and then, and then you watch, and it just... It's a, you know, it's a, it's a fucking show on cable. Like, the best people... At creating reality TV, I feel no guarantee that they're working on this show, and so they're not doing that great a job at getting all of the uh, entertainment they could out of this uh, premise. I and this is a uh, horrible. There's a lot of really poorly done shows about things like this, you know. Yeah, but I don't. I don't generally just assume. I think once you've you've taken the the. I've step... watched enough shows like where I thought that there's no way someone could screw up Girl with Two Heads and. Uh, then it's a boring-ass show that I don't care about. See, I think if you've taken the step to commit yourself to putting this show on, you're probably going to do it right. You know? I think that's a pretty serious, that's a pretty ballsy move. Have you watched it? Do they do it right? Here's the thing. <laughs> uh, this is terrible, especially since I'm watching Boardwalk Empire right now and I'm still in the first season. And there's a guy, a very sympathetic character, who's kind of a henchman with half a face. Because okay. got half his face got blown off in the war, and uh, I literally think about this guy like all the time during the day because I feel face? so. Yeah. Do they call him Half Face? I think his name's Harrow, but I call him Half Face. Okay. Uh, in a sentence, man, I hope Half Face doesn't get killed this episode. <laughs> uh, and I think about him all the time because I'm like, man, I feel so bad for Half Face. I know something terrible is going to befall Half Face. <laughs> Uh, and you know, he's a very, it's just, I don't know. The, uh, visual affliction thing is something that I, I, I don't know why, but I feel sympathetic towards it. Like something that, you know, as people look at you and, uh, you know, shudder, 
And even with that, and telling you that that's something that plays on my heartstrings, I can't watch two seconds of this show without wanting to vomit. I literally can't even watch it long enough to get the information about their lives. It's just too weird. Because it's just too weird. And yeah. I and for whatever reason, it's like, look, I don't have to make myself watch. Look, if it was my family member, you'd get used to it. Mm-hmm. But just as a wanting to learn about their lives type thing, I guess this is my this is where I tap out and say, look, I can't see that. Mm-hmm. Just can't. And it feels shitty. It feels really shitty. You know, I don't want my kids to be like that. Well, odds are in your favor. No, no, I don't. <laughs> oh, you, you don't want them to have that approach? Yes, dude. Okay. <laughs> I understand that the odds are in my favor. Just wanted to reassure you. Okay, so, uh, oh man, I forgot. I wanted to cut up some audio from that press conference yesterday. Maybe we'll save it for next week. Actually, maybe let's just not save it for next week. Let me just tell you, if you want to enjoy like five or six minutes of gold, just Google butt chugger press conference because the Tennessee frat boy who was taken to the hospital after ingesting alcohol anally through a rubber tube did a press conference yesterday in which his bow-tied lawyer said the words butt chug no less than a dozen times. Did uh did the butt chugger speak or was it just the lawyer? Oh, he spoke. There? Okay, good. It's funny, too, because he's like, my client is in no way a gay man. In fact, he is a straight man, which just... Ciao, bro. <laughs> it just sounded funny. So just watch it, because it's awesome. Was that really a... Are they saying that you can't do anything anally if you're... unless you're gay? Like, I... I that's a... That just seems like they're making some real leaps. Straight people can enjoy butt chugging, too, is what I'm telling you, Jake. You have the floor. And what that's else besides that? No, that's all I wanted to say. I don't think that really they, is. What I, re- I wanted to say. I don't think they can enjoy it. I think that there is absolutely something homoerotic. That's clearly what it is. I'm not saying that you're wrong for it, but you're there's a uh, some sort of uh, latent homosexuality present, you know. And I really don't know how latent it is when we're talking about putting something in your butt. I think that's like the <laughs> most. It's pretty direct. You want to be violated uh, there, right? That's the – look. Yeah, but if you want to be – Okay, let's say this Here thing. I am again uh, proposing – How about argue. this? If in the case of like what you're clearly talking about, which is like your gr- your girlfriend putting her fingers in your Th- butt. I was not talking about that. Th- isn't I that was talking s- about butt chucking. Isn't that still gay? Even though, even, even if you do you. it and uh, – If you want I, a woman to uh, – you know, then I would say it's. I think not based gay. on the way that we are, you know, the way that we have used this construct of gay, that's gay because you're basically asking to be submissive to uh, another. That's the deal, right? That's what we mean when we say. So yeah, that's a that's gay. But in, but <laughs> and, I'm not, the, and again, reiterate, it's not wrong. Homosexual, it's not though, right? Well, let's not say homosexual. Let's say, let's say gay. I, I get what you're saying in the uh, gay not gay sense of it, then it's certainly pretty it's more gay. than just the gay not gay sense of it. I mean, it's but if it's you want a woman you. to do it, then it's clear that you like women, that you're into women, and that is by definition not gay. I don't know. I think this is the anal trump card. I think that that we just found that that exists. No, I I think that uh, I don't know. Yet another. It's topic the opposite of which we. It's uh, the opposite of the sports exemption. You can't get out of this because of, or you can get out of this because of sports. You can't get out of this because your butt's involved. 
I think that this is think about it. And next time it happens All to you, right. you're gonna. I'm, I've changed your perception next now. Time it happens to next time not, it happens to you, you're gonna be, be like, "This feels this feels me. gay." Now that I heard him say that, before <laughs> I just felt like a I would, a really I a tough guy who was getting be able to find anally out, violated. Man. But now I feel <laughs> yeah. Before I felt like a tough guy. <laughs> just know there's probably no point in my life where I'd be like, "Man, I'm being a real tough guy now." Um, and then last up on our. Uh, on our TiVo segment here is they, they brought 30 for 30 back last night and it was the highly anticipated episode, which covers, uh, athletes finances. They're, it was called broke. Uh, so it wasn't about them investing in Microsoft early. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't about their ability to forecast where the tech market was going and hop in on Apple in the late nineties. But, uh, First off, before we dive into the meat of it, and I think you share this sentiment, the uh, like the way it was put together was weird, right? Like it was different than last year. Like the the no narrator. Yeah, and I mean you know with, I need a narrator with all, with all the thirty for thirties. It's like uh, it's up to them. There's not a lot of like shared traits throughout. It is not shared. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the way. It was just very boring visually, like that it was either just shots of people talking with the same background or still photos of something. No. That was very boring. The, uh, I guess uh, I should just say, in case you, I didn't really like it. Um, but, uh, like the, the stories they were telling just didn't really have much detail. It was all like, I don't know. I don't feel like I learned anything. Like, it's a topic I want to learn more about, and I don't feel like I got anything from yesterday. I don't agree with that. I do agree that it was one of the lesser well-done ones. It was not necessarily... It didn't necessarily uh, live up to the past round of them. And it occurred to me going in that we were set up for failure. Like, that this is a topic that... I just have such high expectations for it to be interesting that it wasn't going to be as interesting as I thought it was. And I also knew it was made by the guy that made the U, which was maybe my favorite one they did. Right. Um, and it just seemed like it was – like everything was just – set like like most people would probably be happy to make something like the U. And I've heard Cocaine Cowboys is just as good, and he's that guy. It is. And uh, the, the, odds that, the, second one, though. the odds that you're going to make three of those in your lifetime – are probably not great, and uh, and he didn't. So, well, I I think that I while I agree with your assessment of the presentation, I still think it was enlightening in some in some respects. And I think, uh, what well, I, I'd be interested. In what did you like about it? Well, first of all, just the fact that this was even done, no matter how they do it, and I I don't know if this is a uh, just because of the type of material I was exposed to you know, positive or negative uh, in school, but I feel like I'm constantly having to justify to people the reason the media exists. And it does, it is nice to, you know, have something spurred along this conversation, you know, because I feel like, you know, there's articles written, you know, there was that SI article, but I just, I don't know. I feel like these things always make people talk about things that are, we probably should talk about, but don't really have an excuse to otherwise. And I appreciate that. And that's, Pretty a pretty low level of <laughs> that. All you have to do is exist for me yeah. to appreciate you. No, now that but now that we're talking, the one thing I do remember is you kind of think this, but the way that they plainly laid out the uh, it's like winning the lottery. 
I feel like that was the most... Uh, the ghetto lottery. That was the most straightforward, convincing, like, make the make it make sense sort of way that I'd seen that presented. And we all know the numbers on the lottery. Yeah. You know, and there's that's undeniable empirical evidence as to... That people can't handle it. Exactly. Although, you know, the... Uh, there are a lot of cases though where it's just not a, or it's just too much money to blow through. That happens. Yeah, but like this. It's not that I didn't family. know that. I guess what I'm saying is, as far as the things that it kind of was enlightening, uh, the like you said, the lottery analogy is is solid, but I think it's strange to me and almost sad. Look, this you know what this is. This is one of those conversations where you really it makes you think about personal responsibility at least me it makes you think about like all right well that's just your fault right a lot of people just look at that and say oh i don't feel sorry for you because you blew all that money and that's fine but i do feel sorry for a lot of these people i don't feel sorry if you knock up nine women with nine different uh you know nine kids from nine women like travis henry or whatever although if you wanted to be devil's advocate you know and the culturalist you would say well that's because he's from a he probably had you know no family life that taught him about this is the way a family should run or whatever. But it's much easier for me to blame you for that for just coming inside females when you should be wearing a rubber. It's much easier for me to blame you for that than feeling obligated to help out your family who all feels like you owe them something and you have no idea how to handle your money. Like you haven't been trained at all, just like the rest of America. But the rest of America isn't handed this big bag of money to f up. And yeah, now you got all most these. Most people don't get big money until they show an ability to handle it. And these people are people who are getting big bags of money, and overwhelmingly, the people around them don't have you know near as much as the average person does going on I around them. I kind of wonder why that happens. If they're in a predatory situation immediately. And it's very hard for me to just look at that and not feel some level of, man, you know, these our colleges are not, I mean, we're not training average citizens how to deal with their money, uh, which is sad, you know, but we're also not, we're not even training these guys who are like really clearly needed. Yeah. Who are, it's much a much more high leverage situation that they understand their finances. And it's basically just release them into this situation with, very little. I mean, yeah, you're gonna have those the guys who like have military parents, your RG3s and your Larry Fitzgeralds or whatever, who preach personal responsibility. But the overwhelming majority of these dudes come from backgrounds where they're not equipped to handle this. And then it's why, like you're why surprised. Is why is that? What do you mean? <clears throat> like I don't know. It made me stop to think. Like why? Like there's nothing about athletics I would think that makes it like a. That makes it so that only poor people can be good at it. Yet oh, yes, there, there is. These, like, what, like, how so? Well, I, I, I would think, think that being rich would help you get to the NFL. No, I think that... You'd be able to afford the best training and... I think that that's, that might be changing a little bit. Uh, but I think that that's pro- also because now you're just taking <laughs> the poor kids and having someone else pay for their training. So I think there's a couple things. And this is also probably a larger conversation but you i mean if you have no other options you're going to try harder for the thing you see that's your one option that's your basic as long as you see this is your only so you think that like your uh, only way out anyone who knows they could also be a doctor is just kind of 
kind of half-ass it? Of course, of course. And you probably not even it's probably not even half-ass, but there's a gear of want and a gear of desire that I think that you know, yeah, you got to be naturally gifted, but I think a lot of people that are naturally gifted and have other options, they don't they don't, you know, sell out the same way that, you know, you have these stories you hear about dudes, you know, you're Mike Jordans of the world that are at 4:30 in the morning. You know, whatever, you're not going to He gonna... wasn't super poor though. He was well, okay, yeah, no, a... and I don't even really. I'm more talking about just him as this, the archetype for the guy yeah. who's just tirelessly Dedicated. working. Yeah, and I'm not saying they all do that either. And of course, we have to avoid the uh, like Jimmy the Greek biological differences type conversation here. But I mean, the simple fact is, there's, I mean, <laughs> an overwhelming majority of our athletes come from impoverished backgrounds. So there's obviously a, yeah, no, a connection. It's, it's it's clearly true, and I just I. I again don't feel like I know exactly why that is. I think you're the way you explained it right there is is a good start. Because it's just the natural if you have more options, you're naturally it's going to be more likely you find something else you'd rather do than something I mean, let's be let's be real about it. I mean, it's good money, but it takes a certain level of being willing to put up with absolute horrific conditions to play professional football. I mean, there's times where, or even college football, like you're hurting, you know, I mean, they get used to it. So it's kind of like your relative thing. That was another big takeaway is that, uh, football's dumb. You don't want to play football. No. Play anything else. Yeah. I mean, the rosters are bigger though. (coughs) Yeah. So you got that, but yeah, you're right. Uh, but just a couple of things. If you're Russell Wilson. But yeah, like the, uh, baseball, the, uh, the family thing was, because I think Bernie Kosar said it, the Catholic guilt. Like, yeah. I guarantee you, dude, I would be very susceptible to feeling like I had to help people out. You know, and your mom, one of the guy's moms giving him a $25,000 bill for raising him. Like, that stuff happens. That's a men- – dude, just think about the mental assault of, like, I have all this money and now instantly I have to figure out who deserves it. And if I start trying to figure that out, I'm going to feel guilty about who doesn't deserve it. But if I avoid the guilt, I'm going to be broke and then I'm going to have regret. Like – it's just a huge bag of shit that comes yeah. along with having that kind of money and that kind of uh, upbringing. No, yeah, no, it's it's like, you know, that there's a lot of uh, bums that congregate around this apartment complex and uh, it makes me like constantly confronted by like like I don't I don't want to give them I don't like giving them money. I find them to be very annoying, but like, you know, why is that? Do I am I justified to feel that way? You know, what what like like it seems really we- like if it were me, I, I don't know. I can't ever see a situation where I would ask people I didn't know for money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just I I don't feel like I got any justification to do that. Um. But but they do, and so like they like they do ask people they don't know for money. So it makes me like think about it. Like if they're there, like I if they've know. got to that point, uh, and just like. You know, like, like I, it just makes me think about. It makes me forced to think about, like, why I would say no or why I am bothered by them. And you know, like, and and I would just think that that would be it would be that magnified times a million. Yeah. And you're thinking about it all the time. Of like, you know, you just you're probably something confronts you every day when you have that much money, where someone feels, you know, where someone is saying, "I have a claim to this," and you're and you have to think about and evaluate. Do they or don't they? And I just I don't like the whole conversation. It makes no. me feel. And it's you know, even worse. 
What's even worse about the... You can be justified, but you still feel really fucking greedy that you're not willing to give your change to the homeless, you know? Yeah, it's a mental weight. When, in fact, like, you know, because, like, I do have, like, a, you know, treat others how you'd want to be treated, and and I, I would never... Want to be treated that way? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like I would, I would never impose that on someone else. So the fact that someone's imposing it on me, um, I do think I am justified to be like a little, you know. But think WTF, about it in terms but... of uh, it's not. Think about it like you, you probably you work hard for your money, but and I know it's like it, again, it's the relative thing of well, how hard is hard if that's what you're used to. But the difference between that and the difference specifically about the lottery is. Nobody who won the lottery is out there sweating their nuts off, getting decleated by like a three hundred pound roid freak once a week, you know? Yeah. Like in the NFL, especially in the NFL, but really in any sport, the level of grind, the physical and mental grind that you're having to go through. Yeah. And then on top of that, you have to deal with then trying to figure out how to parse up your earnings. That's, I mean, I think people really just in general, the general sports fan, because it's definitely not comfortable to think about. Nobody likes to think about how hard that would be. Like you, the we all think about like how hard it would be. Like, oh, you know, this guy right here can do something I can't do. Like he can run that fast at that for that long, or he can yeah. jump that high or make that shot. Really, in general, nobody thinks about like what a mind f it would be in most situations if you were coming into that amount of money with that kind of background. Like how, I mean, whether it's wrecking your marriage, whether it's all wrecking- that said, I I love the chance to handle it. Yeah, I mean, you. I'd switch places with it. There's them. no doubt that I mean, the human being, you know, you're inclined towards the thrills. I mean, you're inclined towards your. If you gave me, you know, that's that's basically human nature is not to be safe and to say, well, I'd rather have this more boring life with more stability. You'd rather try to get to experience the highs that those that those lows come with. You know what I'd do though, Jake? Not get married. Put it all in the bank. Live off the interest. Don't touch it. Just spend the interest. This is what, did Jay Leno teach you this or something? No, I'm just saying. Think about that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that that's necessarily a viable. I mean, if you got like a five million dollar signing bonus, all of a sudden now, ten percent interest on it. All right, you got to find some somebody to tell you where to put that money to get that ten percent interest, and now you're already facing a problem of some vulture who wants to tell you how to take the best care of their of your money, and they're yeah. going to get their cut. I feel like uh, most most banks, if you're putting in five million, just have an automatic. Like they'll give you ten percent. I don't know. I feel like that may be a jet ski like comment you just made. Okay. I feel like we're gonna hear from someone who, who like works at a Bank of America who's like, I America's would love... like, I'll give you two three for five million. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but I just a simple I... checking account or savings account. I mean, I don't know that that's gonna. I think that that in general, banks will will give you a higher rates of interest. The more money you're willing that makes to put sense, in. but then also you know and that's you. Think about the other thing that go you know, and this is even getting closer to that personal responsibility line than the family thing. I think most people can be like, well, if, you know, having to deal with your family or your you know the people from your neighborhood that would suck. But the uh, wanting to keep up with everyone around you thing, like that's it may not be that powerful for like you and I, but I feel like if you were in that setting. I don't know. I feel like that would be intoxicating. I'd love to have the chance to see how I would react. I think that I would... Drive an Accord? Um, yeah. Eat, no, I'd, eat I'd... Easy Mac? I doubt it, dude. I would definitely continue to uh, make some spiral pasta, the uh, the veggie noodles every night. I just love veggie noodles. 
And I'd probably have a, uh, a you'd have someone Mustang. I think you would have someone preparing your veggie noodles for you. Yeah. I, I think mean, so. But anywho. Well, I halfway have that already, Holmes. <laughs> wow. Um Usually just uh, usually just the water the water's boiling when I get home. That's the general agreement. <laughs> Such a misogynist. What? I would do He for... reveals in one podcast no, that he she, makes her make home... noodles and makes her go fingers in the anus. <laughs> that's that's a terrible hurtful thing that you're saying that is not true. And uh, if if I got home before she did, I would boil water for her. It's just a matter if she gets home first. I don't know how we ended up here. I really don't. But look. It's a document that's not really worth your time, but it's an interesting topic that Yeah, we pretty much covered it. Yeah. Just know that, uh, look, it's all effed up. and uh, But you should see the U. You should also see Cocaine Cowboys. Just know that it's all effed up. That's my general take on society uh, and basically and class know warfare. That, uh, know that Andre Risen doesn't seem to have enough contrition. No. Andre Risen is a... He, see, he, like, he was saying stuff and like... He was saying he things is a delinquent. That, you would, that you would think that someone would say shamefully, but he would say it with such pride, you know. With a smile and sunglasses on. Like, like he's a guy that, uh, he's bankrupt, right? I feel like I've, yeah, I heard Something him. Something like well, that. Well, yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean you're totally broke, but yes, yeah. he, well, did, I mean, he, he was, did declare bankruptcy. He was wearing a really nice suit and everything. He was. Which really just seemed to be uh, giving the middle finger to his uh, bankruptcy court or whatever. I don't know what he's involved in. But, you know, whenever he would say, whenever he was explaining how he lost all of his money, he was doing it in a way that seemed like, isn't it really cool that I <laughs> Yeah, I definitely got that vibe. All right, dude, we got to get out of here. Um, all I can say is, if the next time we do this podcast, uh, the Rangers are not in the playoffs, then I'm going to have to, like, it's almost like the Tyson Chandler thing, you know? Like, I sit here and pre... And, the story on that one won't be written for a while, but these res- the results-based logic, you know? Yeah. Like, all year just saying, hey, we're they're a really a cut above the, you know, the certain teams in the middle. Like, this is one of the top five teams in the league. Just everybody chill out. It would really be a real kick to my analytical groin if this ends up going this way. Because that doesn't know. mean that I'm wrong. And I don't, and I don't got too much time. Like... The White Sox were in first place for 115 game or 115 days of this season. Look, and they're not going to be in the playoffs. The point is, and I'm and I'm and I'm living with it just fine. I'm saying that's a yeah. You know what? You're living with it just fine because you don't live in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. The people would be freaking out, but I'm saying me personally, like just you know, they gave me a season that I cared about until the last week. That's enough. That's yeah, always that's enough, enough for you. And I, yeah, yeah, no. The other and it's probably it's standards? enough for me too. If I was evaluating it only on my fan experience, if I'm evaluating it on the way it affects my the battles I'm going to have to have with people over, I'm just saying logic. I'm just saying they're expecting like they're being too greedy about it. I agree. And I want I want y'all to know that if you're not okay with any if it, if it's not enough for you when your team gives you until the last week of the season the ability to care about their season, then that's on, that's on you. That's on you. Bro. Kiss your grits. Yeah. Dale knows what I'm talking about. That's it for tonight. The high school special is next, so until tomorrow. For everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm TC and Jake. We do thank you for watching. Good night.